0: On this edition of the Iowa Business Report... Selling to somebody new coming in is hard, especially for companies that are in in rural Iowa. There's not a lot of people that are just readily available to put down their capital and and buy out. Business succession plans can be
1: tricky, but including an employee ownership component can make the transition run more smoothly. Some recent changes in Iowa law will affect how businesses work with the Iowa Secretary of State's office. And you'll learn about an Iowa business designed to make other businesses better. This is the Iowa Business Report for New Year's Weekend 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. We've talked before on this program about business succession plans and strategies. You can't very easily put a for sale sign in the window for reasons of business competitiveness. And it obviously takes time and planning. One opportunity gaining greater attention is involving employees in the business succession plan, and that's the topic of a webinar being offered on two occasions this month. Patrick Linsman is Senior Program Manager with the Center for Business Growth and Innovation at the University of Northern Iowa.
0: If you haven't heard, or maybe you're hearing now, is going to be a tremendous theme of the rest of the 2020s, one third. Of all Iowa businesses are going to transition. They're going to be looking for new ownership, whether that be an outside buyer, a key employee, a family transition to their son or daughter, or potentially to their employees. As we're coming into 2021, our center uh, at Advance Iowa, we're really focused on one of those options, which is employee ownership. Where that sort of fits in the whole continuum is as a business owner is looking to find that next option for themselves, leave that legacy in their community, one of those ways to do that is to sell their company to their employees. That can be a little complicated. There's a couple different options. You don't just toss them the keys and say, all right, good luck. We wish you the best. There are a couple different structures that you can do and work towards that you can set your employees up for success keep that company operating and running in your community, in your area, and really add to that economic impact and that, you know, there's sustainability, quality of life in those places. So we're going to really take a first high-level look at succession and employee ownership through the ESOP or the employee stock ownership plans, and then a worker cooperative are the two options we're looking at.
1: Now, what are the biggest distinctions between those two?
0: You've probably heard of ESOPs, the Employee Stock Ownership Plan. That's one that the state of Iowa for probably the last five to seven-ish years has really put a focus on promoting, pushing, and they even offer some programs that can help you figure out if it would work for you. So the ESOP, the Employee Stock Ownership Plan, is really a retirement-focused financial instrument where the employee's retirement is tied to the success and profits of the company. It doesn't necessarily mean that You start putting together stocks and you go get on an exchange and you've got a ticker symbol and all of that. It's really focused on those employees having a financial interest through their retirement in that company. So that's ESOP. The second is a worker cooperative. Worker cooperatives can only be owned by the workers. It's one share per person. They're all bought in at the same amount. And then from there, the workers get to decide how the profits of the business are shared. They can do that by seniority, type of work, hours worked. They can work that through any variety of different methods to make sure that the workers share in the profits of the business. And that's like an ongoing piece, not necessarily a retirement plan, but a plan for them to share in the year over year profits of the business as they operate it together.
1: Are there certain businesses that are more likely to choose one form or another or are better situated, if you will, because of the type of company to choose the cooperative as opposed to the ESOP?
0: Absolutely. So for the ESOPs, there is a bit of a size limitation, as in you need to be a certain size to really make it a a viable option for your company. And for the most part, that's looking at 20 employees or more. So you need to have really solid employee base that's expansive enough to create financial sense for the long-term operation of the company and for the ESOP in general. The cooperatives, on the other hand, are a lot more flexible. Less than 10 employees are in that 10 to 20 range where you can really make that structure work for you. So then on the co-op side, what, what we've seen is that the types of businesses that do that are businesses that already have their employees working together in teams, you know, where they work closely together, say a construction company or uh, a daycare is one coffee shop. The owner decided since they all work so closely together that they would make it a co-op for them. And their seven employees that were baristas that were working in front of the house um, to turn that into a co-op. So co-ops can be more flexible and where the ESOPs do have some size limitations.
1: The party selling has to be interested in one of those unique models, as opposed to simply put a for sale sign in front and, and just look for the top bidder. What is the mindset of the owner in terms of choosing one of those options that we've been discussing, as opposed to simply just selling to someone new coming in?
0: Selling to somebody new coming in is hard, especially for companies that are in, in rural Iowa. That there's not a lot of people that are just readily available to put down their capital and and buy out and make it a clean and quick process. And then you can you know retire up to a lake somewhere and sort of spend the rest of your days doing that. So for the most part, that's difficult, not impossible, difficult. So looking at these two options, one of the first things that the owner does have to think about or needs to be important to them is that legacy to their community. So it's gonna be, as you think about your company, after you which is hard to do right can you imagine the company either you started or your family started what does it look like once you leave the big motivation that we've seen is wanting it to be able to survive in that community that you've spent the last 20 30 40 years living in working in employing people in the quality of life things that you know your legacy would leave which is you know sponsoring the little league team or you know taking part in the town's summer festival or Winter activities, local churches, friends, thinking about the longevity of not only your company, but also the community and the people that you employ is one key motivation for both ESOPs or co-ops. As what we've seen is in both of those models, it can greatly increase both employer retention, so your ability to keep people and keep them working for you, the long-term growth of the company, and then also that profitability of the company over the long term. Amazing things can happen when your employees are financially being able to be rewarded for working, where their productivity increases, and that actually ends up we see them being able to be paid more, their wages are able to, to rise. But the big thing from the, the owner's perspective is really thinking about as we move on past you know our time in this company, what does it mean to the community or to the people that currently live and work here? with our programs and, and why this is such a big focus for us is that you know we've all heard the stories um, our anecdotes one of the things that we fear is having that you know third party equity firm someone who does have the cash to buy out some of our keystone or small manufacturers around the state buy them out and then either consolidate them in another state or to move them out of the country to be able to manufacture ever good or product that they were working on, and that's something that we really want to try to avoid by offering up some of these alternative succession methods to our rural companies.
1: All right, so nuts and bolts of these seminars, cost, and where do people go for registration?
0: Yeah, these are completely free to the public. You can sign up uh, at AdvanceIowa.com, or you can reach out on the phone. It's going to be 319-273-4344. We can get you the information to sign up. They are being hosted on Zoom. So we're being cognizant of the COVID-19 and probably the winter weather, making travel a little bit more difficult. So they'll be virtual. You do have to register. There's going to be some questions we ask you, but it's completely anonymous. So no one else is going to know that you're checking out a, a webinar on selling to your employees. They could be on there with you. They wouldn't even know you're there. We'll have time for some question and answers, hopefully get a better understanding of the options as it comes to employee ownership and some ways that you can sell your company, not just for owners. If there's key members of a management team or a group of employees who think, oh, maybe our current owner would be open to this, uh, we'd love to have you attend as well and learn more about it and be able to bring that back to the current owner of the company.
1: Patrick Lensman, Senior Program Manager with the Center for Business Growth and Innovation at the University of Northern Iowa. The webinar, entitled Who Can Afford to Buy My Company, will be offered twice. First, at noon on Thursday, January 14, or if you like, on Wednesday, January 20 at 10 a.m. For more information or to register for this free 45-minute conversation, Go to AdvanceIowa.com and click on the Events tab. Still to come, business law changes and enhancing the skill set and value of a company's employees. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa and its Family Business Forum providing networking support to help you meet the unique challenges of family business operations. Learn more at AdvanceIowa.com by clicking on the Family Business Forum tab. While many members of the public are aware of the Iowa Secretary of State's office as the entity responsible for elections in our state, we're familiar with the office's Business Services Division, which deals with all manner of those contributing to Iowa's economy. A trio of bills affecting business services procedures passed the Iowa General Assembly recently that are worthy of note now. The first, which took effect last July 1st, provided new specifics regarding limited liability companies, or LLCs, and in particular, use of protected series LLCs in our state. Now, those are defined as separate LLCs, distinct from the series LLC, but under the broad umbrella. In short, the changes allow a more efficient establishment of new LLCs for expansion or new business development. A second bill provided for remote online notarization. That's the ability for a notary public to certify signatures and the like for remotely located individuals thanks to advanced technology. That law was supposed to go into effect July 1st, but due to the pandemic, many of the provisions became effective earlier, thanks to the governor's emergency proclamations. In the past, there was a personal appearance required before a notary. Now that definition includes remotely appearing, taking advantage of some of this technology we all came to use often in 2020. And finally, a number of changes to registered agent provisions now requiring a 31-day delay in the effective date of resignation of a registered agent. It now takes effect at 12.01 a.m. on the 31st day after the filing of the registration, or sooner, of course, when a new registered agent is designated. And, of course, in most situations, the change in registered agent forms, resignation of one, designation of another, are filed contemporaneously. Coming up... Developing talent within your current workforce. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa and its Family Business Forum. The next event in the forum's breakfast series is scheduled for January 15, focusing on next-generation leadership. To learn more or to register, go to AdvanceIowa.com and click on Family Business Forum. In this week's business profile, we'll reintroduce you to Todd McDonald, founder and president of ATW Training. I say reintroduce because Mr. McDonald joined us on this program last month to discuss talent development trends in our state. His company, ATW Training Solutions, based in Urbandale, works to help unleash human potential within organizations.
2: Jeff, we started ATW back in 1999, so we're, we're now entering our 22nd year. I started the company after being involved in human resources for a number of organizations, financial organizations, manufacturing organizations, and, and then also worked in, in, in a training development company for, for a period of time and helped to sell that organization. And at that point, I guess I got kind of an entrepreneurial bug and said, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to hang out my own shingle. And after uh, a a very uh, emotional conversation with my spouse, uh, because at that time I was what 34 years old and, and breaking off on this and we had three kids that all needed shoes and everything else. So it was okay. We're, we're going to give this a shot. So gave it a shot. And I guess 21 years later we're we've got 15 people on staff now. And what ATW does is we provide talent development solutions. So we work with organizations to identify, you know, what are their, their human needs within the organization and to help them develop. You know, develop those people once they get hired within the organization. We like working with organizations that understand the importance of hiring and training and retaining their employees. So we're going to be doing that through custom training solutions. We're going to be doing that through public sessions that we do, face-to-face training sessions, virtual training sessions. We have a design services department that creates videos and audios that are very job specific. We're just basically a training solutions company.
1: And it's very different now than 20 years ago, because I dare say 20 years ago, you would travel on site, you might fire up a PowerPoint or something like that. And now you have all of this audio video and you're distributing things through various platforms. Now, of course, working remotely, it isn't just this year. Your business has evolved greatly over that 21, 22 year period.
2: Well, it significantly has, and 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 I tell you what, with with what has happened here recently with COVID, it, you know, we're we're light years ahead of where I actually thought we would be there, and and it was interesting because I was reading something. One of the organizations that I work with quite a bit is is. Ken Blanchard's company, Blanchard Training and Development, and I work with their product development area quite a bit, and I was on a phone call with him yesterday, and Jay Campbell, who's their uh, director of product development, said that they're estimating through their training survey that um, we have accelerated the process of moving from face-to-face to more of a virtual and individual learning path, he said by about a decade, that's what COVID has done to us. You know, we were doing virtual training, the old country song. We, you know, we were country before it was cool. Um, you know, we were doing virtual training several years ago because, you know, several years ago when, when, when we do a, our own survey every year, I think it was last in, in 2000, at the end of 2019, 78% of the companies that responded to that survey said that they were going to have remote workers the next year. Okay. So they were saying, Already, in September of 2019, we're going to have 78 percent of the company said we're going to have remote workers. So we were already looking at that and said, "Hey, that's going to be an issue." They had no idea that they were it was going to be remote because of COVID. They were just already going that direction. So you know, we were lucky because we were we were really ahead of the game. So then when COVID did happen, it was very easy for us to adapt because we were already doing those things. We already had virtual sessions on our calendar that we were doing for organizations and public sessions. So it, it is very different you know, today than it was in past years.
1: I'm always intrigued when I talk with people and what it takes to take the leap with no safety net. You have to have a variety of qualities. I would suggest you have to believe in yourself, you have to believe in your product, etc. What was it that actually led you to take the jump or in consultation at home to say, this is going to be worth it? Because it's a risk. You know, it's a huge well, risk.
2: It, yeah, it most definitely is. I, th- I think there's a number of things. You know, I had an opportunity for 10 years to, to work with uh, a gentleman by the name of Art Bauer, who just recently passed away. And Jeff, you may even, you know, remember that name because he was in kind of the industry for a period of time. You know, I had the great opportunity to be what I called an intrapreneur. And that was Basically, he allowed me to start two or three businesses within his business so I could kind of cut my teeth there. So I, I felt like I knew I had confidence in, in in my thought and idea for a business. But one of the things that I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs about this is that most entrepreneurs get into a business because they have a passion for whatever that business is. Mm-hmm. You know, a plumber will start his own plumbing company because he knows plumbing very well and, and he has a passion for it. You know, the same thing with construction, maybe somebody that's manufacturing, you know, the great the the great manufacturing stories that talk about this gentleman that started their business in their basement or in their garage. You know, those are the great stories. They didn't start a business because they had in their mind, hey, I, I think I want to start a business. Because they 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 had probably no training in how to start a business. I was probably smart enough to, to look at a financial statement, but I don't know what it was really saying to me. And so, so many start with that idea, but but it's their passion that will pull them through. And if they have enough passion for what they what they want to do, look, you know, I'm not ambivalent to the fact that that talent development. You know, when you talk about an organization, you know, they're going to talk about cost of goods sold. They're going to talk about recruiting and getting the people on board. They're going to talk about, you know, their territories and everything else. I understand organizations look at training as kind of an expense in some cases. You know, I, I realize that. Um, but I also I feel that talent development training is an important part of a, a business, because if you're not getting the most out of your people, you know, you're not going to reach the numbers that you want to get to. And, and I think that that even rolls into some of the things that I'm seeing right now with COVID. A lot of people are working at home and everybody's excited about this, man, we're being more productive at home we're, we're showing that we can do it. Boy, we're going to be able to cut down on the amount of office space we have. Look at all these great things. And, and I, I just caution people, be careful That's short term because what you're losing with what, you know, with, yeah, getting some great games, but you're losing your culture. You're you're losing that connection that people have with you. People that, that don't get to see their bosses all the time and they, they don't get to see their their fellow workers all the time and have some of those connections, those are the things that get people to stick around. If I'm just sitting at home filling out forms, pushing things down the path, whatever, whatever they're doing, and not really having some of those human connections, you know, XYZ company calls me up and says, hey, come work for us. You know, we'll offer you a couple bucks more. Well, you know what? There's nothing holding me here. OK, I'm just I'm just going to go. So I think that talent development and, and the whole company culture can be a retention tool for an organization. And what we got to figure out right now is how do we create that company culture when we got half or more of the people working at home and, and they aren't having a connection with, with some of the others in the organization? Because I think that we're going to see down the road where we're going to see it harder to retain some of our key
1: employees. Todd McDonald of ATW Training Solutions. More online at atwtraining.com. We spoke via Zoom on Thursday, December 3rd. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you have a prosperous week and a prosperous new year. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs
0: button at totallyiowa.com.